Are you there? I'm there. I was waiting for you. This is so weird. It's just called an app update, Elisa. No, well, it still won't allow me to enter in. Like, I'm doing it not through the app, but through a website. Oh. Well, I don't know. The important thing is that you're here. And for those that don't know what we're talking about, Faust is having technological difficulties yet again. I don't get it. I don't get it. <laughs> maybe um, it just goes along with the fact that it's Monday. We're not, maybe we're not just not supposed to do this on Monday. <laughs> is this what the problem is? Is that what happened last time? Was it a Monday? It was, it was totally a Monday. Hmm. Well, yeah. did you just drop something? No, that was my cat. Oh, hi, cat. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was just here plugging away on other things while you were doing that. And that's why I was like, the whole music stopped. And I'm like, hmm, what's going on now? Well, and then um, normally when I enter in, it says, um, like, you click a button. Mm-hmm. To actually get into the podcast, and this I there was no button to press, and so that's why I was extra confused because it just started. Oh, this well, is weird. The important <laughs> thing is that you're here, as we're our, here, the rest of our listeners. So, welcome to this week's shit show on the Filters <laughs> Females podcast. This is why um, we shouldn't do things on Mondays. Well, ironic that this happened to you because as we we're getting ready to get started and I was running around getting all my last minute things together and I was thinking that I have a dream for our podcast okay all right so here it is you're gonna love it right so someday we're going to have a recording studio and a sound guy. Yes. And every time one of us says the phrase hot mess, the sound guy is going to play a choo-choo sound. Oh, I like it. Anyways, that is my lifelong dream here, people. I like it. <laughs> Simple things. Simple I things. I approve of that dream. Thank you. So, You're welcome. Um... I think I'm caught up now. I was just um, catching up on my social media um, activity. So um, this actually is related mm-hmm. to what we're talking about this evening, but I um, was following up on some posts in our Shop to Cure SPG 52 group that um, I'm saying we have, but not Elisa and I. I have um, through my son's page that I manage on Facebook um, to raise awareness for his condition. So we started this group Saturday and it's really kind of built up quite the following in a few days. I'm kind of impressed with um, how these people came together. It literally was like maybe last Wednesday, if that, that, you know, this group of people came together and were like, can we start this on Saturday? Um, so it was an online vendor fair, basically, because doing things in person is, like, outrageously difficult <laughs> these days. Um, pretty much a no-no. <laughs> yeah, so it's pretty awesome. And I think that this is the way that fundraisers and shopping and stuff are going to go. And honestly, 
I don't mind. And I know you have issues about shopping online, but um, I do. This is really nice. So, <laughs> Um, this is a group of people that came together and I mean, they've wanted to help us since February. They started planning to hold a fundraising event for Dante and for his research. Um, but then COVID shut everything down. And so we couldn't have it the original date and then, um, which was supposed to be sometime in May. So then we we're going to try for June and then that couldn't happen. So then it got pushed out, pushed out, pushed out. So we tried to do it last weekend, um, which was a holiday weekend. So it was hard to get turnout. Plus some people still aren't ready to be out in public. And I think over the summer things started to like open up and people wanted to get out. But I feel like there's this new fear because kids are going back to school. So now people are worried right. about being out like you know like I can't go have fun because then it might risk my kids ability to go to school so people are kind of right. taking a step back again um which I understand so anyways they wanted to do something online um and do this virtual format which I think is working really well and I love it because you can reach more people and not just people who live in your area and mm -hmm. so um, it's different vendors, crafters, people, and everybody's getting, you know, different sli time slots throughout the day over the course of five days. They go on, they present their products, they talk about it, um, they talk about um, what their products are, how they benefit, any specials they have, um, you know, why they want to help us. Um, I've been going on the past couple of days live streaming and posting about Dante and his condition and, you know, what we know about it and really just kind of trying to teach others about um his disease because it's so rare and I know I've talked about it a lot on here too and it could go on for hours um so <laughs> for right now just go to patient warrior 52 on Facebook um and Definitely read about a lot it of info. definitely and share it I mean really the biggest thing um besides the fact that we need funding for research because it's such a rare disease is that I want people to be aware of it um not just to know about his specific condition but I mean the things you don't know until you need to know it. I mean, the amount of rare diseases there are in the world that people just don't know about. It's so and true. They, they don't get the attention that they need because they're so rare. And, you know, these, you know, pharmaceutical companies, you know, researchers, it's so hard to get people to want to spend time on something that, you know, only affects a handful of people where, right. you know, they can focus all this time on something that's going to help, you know, the millions of people. Um, and we're very lucky that we um, found an organization that wants to help um, kiddos like us. It was started by parents of children that have one of the similar conditions as Dante. Um, and the research can kind of all work together to help these four subtypes of spastic paraplegia, but um, that they were able to rally together and find doctors that really want to help us too so it's really inspiring um especially because in just the three years since we found out that Dante even had this that you know we're already working towards making progress where some people you know it can just kind of like paralyze them to pretty unbelievable doing something. yeah too. um you know some people find this out and they're just like oh my gosh like this is my kid's fate and you know that's it right um but we've we're motivated we found other parents that are motivated and it's just been amazing so that's that this is awesome <laughs> which is um kind of leading into what we're talking about tonight which is fundraising mm -hmm. and fundraisers um so definitely log on check out carrie's 
page. There's a lot of cool stuff on there. Um, I was actually on it earlier, like around eight-ish or so, mm-hmm. and there was a Facebook Live happening, so I did I did get a chance to watch it for a few minutes. Um, a lot of really cool vendors. Uh, it's really nice to see people from not just our little area and who are who might just be friends with Carrie and I or who are family or related, mm-hmm. but people from all over. Um, it's it's awesome to see that community build oh I love watching that I mean even if the number goes from you know 80 to 85 you know it's just it's that many more people that are learning the story Mm -hmm. and learning about it which is I mean it's very inspiring and it keeps me going and it keeps me motivated to um you know keep doing and not get discouraged by you know a few little things here or there that you know like some events are not as successful as others and we get that and just I've spent a lot of time in fundraisers and doing this type of work for different organizations over the years so um that I know of but you know one bad fundraiser could really discourage a person from trying again but seeing that these people are not discouraged and they want to come back and they want to help us is amazing um and so that's um, kind of what we're doing in um, similar fashion. We both kind of have our own very similar fundraisers that we do every year um, and not as, I mean, inspiring, but not in the happy, promising sort of way because they're memorial fundraisers. Correct. <laughs> um, so you just got back from your uh, second annual memorial golf tournament. I did. Um, so as uh, as we've talked about before, I am a widow, and uh, my husband Dan passed away almost exactly 18 months ago, and we are just kind of giving you a heads up. Um, we're trying to keep this one, this episode very lighthearted, because next week it's going to be very heavy. We're going to dive further into grief, so I'm not going to go too much in detail about that right now, but... Um, Last year, after Dan passed away, my sister-in-law, brother-in-law, and one of uh, Dan's uncles decided to team up together and start a memorial golf event in his honor uh, for a couple of reasons. One, Dan worked in the golf industry, so why wouldn't there be a golf event? Because golf was such a major part of his life. It was a major part of our life. That's what allowed us to move all over the country. And I know I've talked about living all over the place and it was truly due to his job that we were given those amazing opportunities. Um, Beyond that, the funds that my sister-in-law is getting, you know, donated from the golf event or from the Chinese auction or basket raffle, I guess we have to call it now, or silent auction all go to his high school in Pittsburgh to their crew team for a scholarship because he was on the crew team for all four years and um, was the coxswing. If you don't know what that is, it's the person that steers the boat that's like yelling like, row, row, (laughs) row. Um, He actually did row as well, but his major, major role at the school was that instead. Um, They, from my understanding of stories that he's told me and his family has told me that his school was amazing and was constantly 
you know, winning all these different, what do they call them? And I'm blanking out on what rowing events are called, but that's fine. Um, It will come to me because they used to actually, as a high school, race against Pitt's team. And so when you are a high school freshman competing against a senior in college, your bodies are a little bit different. (laughs) Your muscles aren't quite as developed, but they would compete against them. They would practice with them in order to improve themselves. So when they would go out places, they knew that they could beat other high school teams, which is pretty cool and pretty smart on their part. Um, So he loved it. So it was one of his biggest passions. So last year, September, um, was the first annual Dan Faust Memorial Golf event. And it it was just so much fun. We had so many people coming in from all over. We had friends and family coming in from Florida, Alabama, Kansas, different parts of Ohio, New York, Pennsylvania. Um, It was really an honor to see that many people together for, for Dan and to honor him. And uh, one of his favorite drinks is a liquor called Krupnik, which is a Polish honey liquor. So if you don't know what it is, you probably only can buy it in Buffalo. Uh, I know I've had a couple of friends look for it in other states and areas, and they can't seem to find it as, as easy as we can. But my job at the Memorial Golf event is to be the shot girl. So I get to pass out shots all day long. People come and see me. Um, We just have this massive party at the hole that I'm stationed at with music and dancing and pictures. Um, There's an autograph area that I make every single golfer sign when they come through. There's, you know, shot glasses. We have the clear plastic ones. If people just like want a tester, they're like, "Mm, I'm not too sure about it. We have the regular glass ones that have like the logo and everything. So... Uh, we had a blast last year, an absolute blast. And this year, I know there was a lot of back and forth between my sister-in-law and the whole team going, are we doing this or not? Because COVID. Mm -hmm. But as Carrie knows, one of the few places that actually are open right now are golf courses. Right. So what would be holding us back? pretty much nothing um so we ended up having it last weekend or this past whatever saturday it's god it's been a long monday (laughs) so two days ago geez alisa get it together um and we did have a a pretty good turnout considering covid was happening uh still again friends and family from florida Kansas, Alabama, Pennsylvania, New York, Ohio drove in, flew in for this event. And that's pretty unbelievable. It says a lot about the person who you're memorializing Mm -hmm. when that happens. Um, Again, I worked my shot table and we had a great time. You know, I know 
she did not raise as much money. She being my sister-in-law did not raise as much money as she had hoped to for a second year, but understanding that we did a really decent job considering COVID was all happening and Mm -hmm. people were safe and socially distanced. And during like the dinner time, your, your group who you golf with pretty much sat together. So, you know, if you weren't comfortable, definitely, you know, people were wearing masks. Um, Obviously when you're eating, you can't, if you figured out a mask, you can wear when you eat, you will make a ton of money. (laughs) Just saying. Um, And it was just a a really fun, fun time. The weather was perfect. Like, couldn't have asked for a better time. So I don't know the finances, like I said, what what was raised, what wasn't. But, um, you know, it's definitely hoping that his high school will have their crew team this year. Last year it was canceled because school was canceled because of COVID. So whoever gets the scholarship this year will probably get more money than we had anticipated on giving which is great for them yeah that is great um so that's really great so that's there's a lot of similarities between your tournament and the one that we do um I will say just um for your references that I have found historically um from our experience is especially in a memorial tournament type of situation the first year gets the best turnout and like a killing mm-hmm. because it's all the people that knew that person that want right. to be there it's so fresh it's there so you get a lot of people and that's what we found with the tournament we did for my dad which we just last month finished up the seventh annual tournament which um you know in one aspect it's i can't believe we've been doing this for seven years um but then it also brings up that that means he's been gone for seven years um so you also can't believe that it's been that long since right. um Yes, yeah, so our well, yours is too. Ours is like close to the the half year. Yeah, like, do you know what I mean? So like, the first one was at six months. The second one's like a year and a half. Yeah, we, um, um, yours is kind of similar to that though, too, time wise. It is. It's just about a half year. Um, well, yeah, just short of it because um, actually, my dad and Dan both passed away in March. March must be a terrible year for our month for stuff like that. But um. <laughs> So we actually do it in August because it goes right around uh, my dad's birthday weekend, which is really nice. Um, And the first year we had it, um, he would have turned 65 that year. So it was right at like the weekend of his 65th birthday, um, which was really nice. Um, The kind of bittersweet, um, the, you know, lots of sad things, obviously, about losing a loved one. But the thing that just really always gets to me about – my dad and that whole situation is that um he was planning to retire that year um and really looking forward to it they had all these plans they were trying to sell their house so they could get like you know a one-story house that was going to kind of suit their needs better into their old age um, planning trips they were going to take like all these things for retirement obviously they couldn't wait that he was actually going to retire um and you know when you work your whole life to get to that point of retirement and then literally work till the day you die because he came home from work, was uh, snow blowing the driveway and um, he actually passed away in the driveway um, while he was snow blowing. It was during like a terrible snowstorm. It's not like just like it was some like weird freak 
snowblowing accident um, and still not completely known um, what the cause was. Um, other issues we can get into in another episode, maybe next week. Um, but um, so the first year we had an amazing turnout, like all these people wanted to be there, you know, because it was him and they do anything. I mean, we had people that didn't even golf that came and golfed in our tournament, you know, because it was for my dad. And one of the things that we say about his tournament, and I'm sure you could say this about Dan too, is that my dad was the type of person that would do anything for anybody. And yep. <laughs> that's the repeat golfers we get every year because, and they say totally. it every year, you know, like Lou would have been here for us, you know, and Lou would have done it. And that's why I'll always be here. Um, and one of the things that I really look forward to about this tournament is that you get to relive some of those stories, um, you know, and you just, you hear all these little tidbits. I mean, we've gotten, you know, people that my dad went to high school with friends. He's was friends with for 30, 40 years, you know, like all his best friends plus family. And I mean, just to get these people to come back together every year and just kind of like share those memories and just keep that legacy alive is really um one of the things I look forward to most. So our tournament um, is sponsored by um, run by. So I'm my sister, my mom and myself are part of the um, committee that plans the tournament, but it's actually run by a service organization that my dad was a member of for over 30 years. It's called the Optimist Club. There's chapters like throughout the world. Um, Which is so awesome that he was a member for so long. Right. And it's just, it's an amazing organization. I mean, these, the guys in this club are, I mean, I've known since I was a kid, you know, I mean, my dad's basically was in that club my whole life. So it's, you know, these are all people that I grew up knowing, which is great. And then on the other end is that, you know, it's people getting older now. So we're dealing with, you know, hearing a lot of them are passing away and hard news, but you know, um, that we can still be a part of this club, even though my dad's not around. Um, kind of right. funny that, you know, half the committee is three girls when it's a men's only club. That's how old it is when, like, you know, there used to be the women's club and the men's yep. club. Um, so then, of course, here's like, you know, three chicks walking in every year going, this is what we're going to do. Um, yep. But, you know, to some extent, I think they need us to be there and to help with it. Um, so the first year was amazing turnout. The second year was a little bit less. The third year was a little bit less than we moved golf courses and it, we got some people to kind of help with scholarships and our sponsorships and it picked back up again. And then, you know, it's been a little bit of like tweaking. So, I mean, it takes time to build these things up, which I totally mm-hmm. get. Um, and I never planned a golf tournament before in my life, before we did this for my dad. And now like, I feel like I could plan with my eyes closed um, that, you know, you really start to learn. Um, and I, I went and to, did I go to, I, I was at one of the events for, yes. di- I just came for dinner. And I remember Dan was Faust year, was a golfer in our tournament. He was, um, I don't remember if it was year four or five, but we were, we were there for it. And then after that, it seemed like it always ended up being, um, like a conflicting schedule. So I never, <laughs> I've never made it back. <laughs> I know. You know it, um, it just happens. I think <laughs> it was year four because I think it was the second to last year where we were at the one golf course before we switched um but we learn a little bit every year and mm-hmm. um so the service club takes the money that we raise from this tournament um there's also a scholarship fund um that is in my dad's name that goes to 
to local high school seniors that demonstrate um, active involvement in their community because that's one what the service organization is and the other like that's like what my dad's legacy was like this is a man that would do anything for anybody and never dare ask for a favor from anyone in return um, you know, like never asked anybody for a thing, but would volunteer himself to help anybody with absolutely anything. Um, so that's, you know, the legacy that we're keeping alive. Um, they also help different youth programs. It's um, a youth service club. So a lot of their mission is um, helping like raise money to support youth. So they sponsor hockey team at the local hockey rink, um, you know, equipment and stuff and sponsor the team so that kids can play hockey. They run um, races. Like they do a Columbus day fun run for kids that they've done every year. I did it as a kid. Um, And then they do um, basketball league for fifth graders. Um, So every school in our town, you know, can each school can have a team and they have volunteers that coach them and then they do tournaments every Saturday. Um, and it's just, it's amazing to see that there's still groups out there that are doing like work like this and that have been around right. so long and keep going. Um, so this year when it came around time to plan for the tournament, we usually start around April or May just to kind of confirm the date and get things rolling. Um, and this year I just remember saying, you know, it feels like forever ago, but I just said, you know, we, I very strongly felt that we needed to have the tournament because golf courses was one of the very few things that were open. And, mm-hmm. you know, even if we got half the turnout, um, I didn't want the momentum to die to like right. not have it and cancel it all together. Too many things are getting canceled this year. Um, because they have no choice, which I understand, but I just worry about the people that have had to cancel their events this year, especially annual events that may not be able to just pick those back up again. Right. Um, and I do, I worry a lot about, I mean, festivals that people look forward to every year, Mm -hmm. um, any kind of annual event that's just, you know, canceled, canceled, canceled. I feel really bad for these organizations. Right. Um, so we planned it with that at the time. We didn't know what the state of restaurants was going to be. So we didn't know if we could invite people to join us just for dinner if they didn't golf like we have in other years. So we started with app. By the time registration forms went out, we were told we could have people come just for dinner um, at a limited capacity because obviously restaurants for us in New York State are 50% capacity um, plus the golfers. So we sent things out. We didn't get as many sponsors as we usually get. I mean, we usually have a sponsor for pretty much every hole mm-hmm. at the tournament this year. We had maybe two or three hole sponsors plus a few patron sponsors. Um, so I was a little worried about, you know, how numbers were going to work out in the end. And it ended up being our best year ever. Wow. Um, we had a hundred golfers, which, um, was more capacity than the club that we used for the tournament had expected. Um, we had about 40 people come just for dinner. Um, we could have had more, but we had to start cutting them off. And, you know, people like day off were like, can I come for dinner? And I'm like, okay, if you like sneak your way in and don't fill the space up too much. And like, <laughs> just, you, like, just say you've been door. on the list so that I don't get in trouble for like adding you at the last minute. And I'm like, yeah, or like, you know, I'm texting like, people and I'm like yeah you can come if it's only you then you can come 
So, um, <laughs> you know, when you tell like 10 different people, if it's only you, you could come for dinner then, you know, but it all worked out great. Like, you know, we are at our capacity um, limits, you know, we didn't exceed them. And um, it was just amazing to know that, you know, you could do something so amazing in the middle of this pandemic and not just that, but I think one reason that a lot of people are cutting off events that they have, especially fundraising events is they feel guilty asking people to spend money, which I totally understand. Um, I a hundred percent, especially when it's, you know, you're asking for, you know, an organization that means something to you, you feel guilty because um, you feel like you're asking for it for yourself, even though it's not going into your pocket at the end of the day. Um, but I think we all need to remember that people still want to help and they still, you know, they want to give and they want to help and maybe they can't give what they used to give or usually do, but right. something. And I mean, if you, I think my takeaway from everything with this is just that if you, if you have a cause that's really important to you and you really want to keep it going, just ask people because the worst thing that's going to happen is they're going to say, no, I can't. Right. And you know, that's, that's not a bad thing. I mean, I'd rather get a no than be ignored. And um, Mm -hmm. I just, I mean, and it could end up being a great turnout and, you know, maybe if it's, more intimate than the turnout you usually have you get to spend more time with the people that are there that maybe you otherwise couldn't when it's you know you know five times the capacity so um there are some plus sides to all of this we had um you know most people that were there this year were there last year as well Mm -hmm. and one of my favorite parts about it which is going to sound really strange is actually at dinner, listening to the groups of people planning next year. Mm-hmm. Like they're like, okay, so next year, this is what we're going to do. Like next year, our team is going to be like this next year. And it just, to me, I think it's like one of the sweetest things that they could say. Um, my parents came down for the event. They came last year as well because the event is held in Pittsburgh and yes we still can go to Pennsylvania New Yorkers are still allowed to go down there so we don't have to quarantine and uh, my mom helps me with the shot station my dad golfs last year my dad um, had a pretty rocking team and unfortunately because of COVID this year none of his team were coming back so he was placed on another team and the guys on his team were like, next year, you're going to have to bring us anchor bar wings. And how about we make sure that we all wear like matching outfits and we got to figure out who's going to bring what and like what kind of snacks we can have. And it just cracks me up that, you know, they're already thinking about next year and yet we're still at dinner at this year's event um or how excited people get when they win that basket or they win like a door prize or they win whatever from the silent auction that they bid on and they're like raising stuff above their head like they just 
our Rocky Balboa and have completely won every single championship in boxing ever invented. Like it, it cracks me up. Um, we don't get, at least me personally, like I don't get as many Dan Faust stories. Um, like how you get stories about your dad. I, I don't get them. Uh, they might, other people might, you know, talk to other people about it, but they don't usually talk to me about it, which is fine. I understand it's, it's awkward. Um, and it can be hard and you might not know what to say. And so it's better not to say anything, which I get, but I just, I love the excitement and the passion for planning next year's when it's still this year. That's one of my favorite things. And that's, I mean, that has got to be the biggest compliment for planning an, any event um, when people talk like that, because it just, it means you did a really good job and that people, you know, liked it. I mean, people that do tournaments tend to do a lot of golf tournaments. So when mm. they're talking about yours, I mean, that's the biggest compliment I think you could get from it. So um, I think anybody who's still trucking along with any type of event um, in the midst of a global pandemic, good for you and keep doing it because this is, we need this. People need this sense of normalcy. And even if you don't get all the people that you could have had, um, the ones that are there really appreciate it. It's true. Um, as much as you appreciate them being there to support you. I mean, I felt bad because we had even family that, you know, are apologizing to us because they didn't know they were allowed to be there and then they didn't give us a basket. I'm like, oh, please. Like, I mean, it's fine. Like we just, we, we didn't expect what we got. And it's really great because especially when you're doing different types of fundraisers and they're ones that you do all the time, mm-hmm. you know, especially for me, you, kind of get that guilt of I don't want to keep asking the same people to keep helping me so the fact that we're now reaching people that might not even know us as opposed to bringing back those people um that's really good too because it's just I mean it's more people that did probably didn't know this club existed probably didn't know all the things that they do for their community um so it's just it's really great on so many levels which is um the one thing that we're really trying to do with this event that we're doing for Dante too and it's it's not just about the money. It's, I want people to know his story and I want people to know, really understand. I mean, to some extent too, because some people, you know, we tell them about Dante and, you know, the number of times that I get like, Oh my gosh, like, how do you do this every day? And, you know, how do you go on? Or, Oh my gosh, like Carrie, Carrie's amazing because, you know, she, she has all this going on and she still, you know, keeps on chugging along. And um, I just think to myself, this is so normal to me because this is what we're used to. And I mean, I want people to understand it's not, we're not reaching out and we're not sharing a story because we need sympathy or that we're seeking it. We want people to know that these types of things exist because there's no awareness. I want parents to know, especially like, I mean, trust your gut. If you think something's Mm -hmm. going on with your child, then trust your gut. If you think it needs to be checked out or looked into and look into it. Um, It's it's ironic. You say that. Um, 
because what Carrie hasn't said so far is it was recently Dante's birthday and uh, I was actually talking to my mother-in-law about how I felt so terrible that I forgot to wish Dante happy birthday on his birthday and um, one of the things that she said to me was you know that she's amazed at what you know Dante can do and how much he's grown because she follows Dante as well and she's bought um, fundraising shirts and things like that and so we were talking about him and she's like it's just you know it's incredible and I said well to me I think the biggest thing that really helped Carrie and Mike and even Vinny too um, was the fact that you got him help so early on and you weren't afraid to be like you know what something seems off Mm. um I know it's it's scary obviously I don't have kids but I know it's scary for parents to admit that something may be wrong with their child because then they think that there's something wrong with them when in tail it really has nothing to do with the parent at all it just Mm. has and you know to help the child and I really think that you observing him and not necessarily comparing him to Vinny who is older but yet comparing him to Vinny who is older and going you know what I think we need to start looking into what else we can do for Dante Mm -hmm. Um, which to me is probably the most inspiring and I think that's what people see in you when they say wow I can't believe that you do this it's or, you know, that you have to do blah, blah, blah. I think it's more of a compliment going, you recognize this and you keep pushing yourself, which is in turn pushing Dante, which is in turn improving his life. That is you know so what I mean? sweet. <laughs> Getting a little sentimental over here. Um, Sweet and sassy, but always classy. Thank you. And thank you. And you know what? I think um, as amazing as the program is and that it's like it's known, but it's not known. But I think a lot of parents just don't realize the resources that are available to them. And I think no matter what state you live in, but like early intervention in the United States is an amazing program. And I mean, the second you think there's something going on. You know, you can ask for an evaluation and get these services and get people into your home to help you with your kids. Um, So just, I mean, like Elisa said, that doesn't mean that there's something wrong with you. It doesn't mean you're a bad parent, Um, which ironically and honestly, I was just talking about this the other day, too, is that when we first got him evaluated for early intervention, because he was 15 months old and not just that he wasn't walking yet um, because Vinny, our oldest didn't start walking until he was 16 months old. Um, I think just before he turned 16 months, because I think at that point, the doctor said if he gets to 16 months and he's not walking, then call early intervention and he can get evaluated, Mm -hmm. which is why I think we knew because our kids were so close in age too that um, we kind of knew that this was something, but it wasn't just that Dante wasn't walking. He could not, pull himself up into a seated position. He could not crawl on all fours. He could only army crawl. Um, He couldn't lift his body up. And he was, I mean, the chubbiest little baby in the world. So then, of course, you know, some of the doctors that saw him, like, because the practice had, you know, different nurse practitioners and physicians that would see him for a while visit. So some, you know, when he was younger would say, like, you know, sometimes it's just harder for the bigger babies to, you know, 
move <laughs> which move a little bit and this is before we you know thought that there might be something off so then of course we're just like oh he's just a big baby right like that's a lot of weight to lift up for a little guy right <laughs> a little big guy um so um it was you know the types of milestones he was missing that had concern and um then between his 12 and 15 months he hadn't grown at all so then it was kind of really a red flag that okay there's something going on with this kid um so anyways when early intervention came in and we just thought like he just needed a little extra push so here I am like joking with these people coming into my house and who knows what they thought of me at first impression when I'm like well I was like I just don't know how to teach a kid how to like crawl or walk I'm like you know like with my oldest I was like my sister did it I'm like, she babysat him and she, she taught him how to go up and down the stairs. I'm like, and she, like I would, I would literally, and this is like no joke. My sister watched Vinny a lot for us when he was a baby. And I would, you know, as a parent, especially with your first one, you're so excited for like, Oh, like nine months, they might start to crawl. Like, so I want him to learn how to crawl because I want to see it. Right. And no parent wants to miss that. So there's that anxiety of missing that first milestone, but at the yep. same time, like I couldn't get him to do it. So I would send him to my sister's house and be like, you need to teach him how to crawl for me. So can you work on crawling today? Or like, you know, you need to work on, you know, this, like whatever, like the baby book said, I was like, okay, this is what you need to work on. I was like, cause I don't know how to teach him. And I'm, she had three kids. Like she had to have known how to like, you know, <laughs> teach kids these things. Right. So, and she would teach them things. I didn't know you had to actually teach them. Like, you know, we learned how to do patty cake today. And I'm like, oh, I'm like, right. Like you should teach songs. Like I still to this day, probably know three kids songs. Um, so if you need me to sing to your child, it will be Twinkle Twinkle Little Star or the Itsy Bitsy Spider or a song that I made up. Perfect. So that's what Top you three got. Hits. Top hits by Fick. I'll make an album. One, <laughs> one hit or let me rephrase that. No hit wonders. <laughs> nobody wants to hear me sing. Um, so it's just, yeah, I mean, trust your gut. So not to randomly change the subject, but I do, I do have to say this because since we have been recording, um, my family is super close and we talk all the time and I've been getting text messages while we're recording about the fact that Carol Baskins is on Dancing with the Stars. <laughs> Did it start the season with her? I don't watch it, but I know from TikTok, so Carol started, Baskins. Is Carol Baskins. Uh, so it started today, and apparently they saved her till last. Because I'm as I'm sitting here, I'm getting these messages, and I'm trying not to like laugh hysterically through you know everything. Not that we're talking about stuff that's super serious, but serious enough. Mm-hmm. And they're they're going on and like, when is she coming on? What do you think she's gonna wear? How do you think she's gonna do? Mm. And and then I just get a text. Yeah, I did not like her outfit at all. <laughs> <laughs> so um if you are watching Dancing with the Stars and got to see Carol Baskins, please let us know what you think about her how well she did um her outfit whether you liked it or not and if you haven't watched it then I'm sure it's gonna be on YouTube in like I don't know eight seconds so watch it on YouTube and then let us know because these messages that I'm getting from my aunts and my mom are hilarious right now and I'm I won't share them with the world but I will tell you 
they are really funny and we we actually do talk a lot about carol baskins when we do family phone call so not to change the subject but i just had to throw that out there because i figured someone out there no that's laughing at this and i mean elisa knows this the rest of you don't but i do not watch tiger king have not watched tiger king do not intend to watch tiger king because when elisa started watching it um, it was great. Around the time that I needed to start planning her Netflix intervention, um, <laughs> my husband also was watching it. And if you guys have not heard this yet or do not know this information, Elisa and my husband are spirit animals. Um, <laughs> there's a reason we now know why I married one and the other is my best friend. Yes. Um, <laughs> so maybe this is what people really mean when they say you marry your best friend. Um, Ooh. <laughs> so. Um, anyways, and my husband, of course, obviously knows me and my taste in like television and my attention span and everything. So, um, I think I was downstairs riding the bike. The kids were sleeping and I was downstairs exercising. I was texting you while I was down there and you were talking about watching the show and whatever else you were watching. I come upstairs and I look at Mike and I said, like, did you watch Tiger King? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, oh, and said, did you like it or something? And like, he's like, oh, I finished it. Like, it's over. Like, I watched it. I'm like, oh, I said, well, well, I like it. And he's like, eh, he's like, it's a little weird. I'm like, yeah, I was like, I'm not gonna watch it. So he's trying to explain it to me. And I'm like, I don't have time for this shit. Like, I'm not watching it. And, but then everybody's just like, game night, everybody's talking about Carol Baskins. And they're like, everything's Carol Baskins. Like, you know, Carol Baskins always wins. Tiger King always wins when you're playing DECA card games or whatever they were we were playing over the summer. And I'm like, but I don't know. All I know is the word Carol Baskin. And all I know is Tiger King. And I don't know what any of it means. And then I'd play the card and I would lose. And I would yell, like, you guys, like you said, it always wins. But then I do the card. And it doesn't win so i understand none of it um i also don't watch dancing with the stars but i mean so it's lost on me most most pop culture is lost on me to be quite honest with you um i live off of seinfeld and friends reruns roseanne my favorite um which actually remind me next week for the grief episode i have a good roseanne story oh you do that's true I do know what story you're talking about. It is uh, the best. So, do you have an F this this week? <gasps> I do. Do you want to start? I will. Why do you need an idea? <laughs> no, I have my idea. Oh. And you're going to you're going to laugh at it. Oh, go out on the high note with Lisa. No, I'll go first. Yeah. So, um mine came about and it just kind of popped in my head when I was making my notes um and you know what this means about making notes before we record because there really are no notes when you're making notes. There really are no notes. I write like two words that I need to remember. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually write more notes while we're recording than I do planning up to. But I write a lot of notes before recording and then while we're recording I actually draw. Doodling is very good for you. Isn't it? I know. It is. Anyways, I digress because yeah, we're, so we're off subject. Here we go. So as you guys probably have heard by now, um, I don't have a day job anymore. Um, I've made some changes in my life, um, much needed um, for many reasons. So I um, decided to stop the 
full-time day job. Um, not that I'm not working. I just don't get paid for what I do anymore is what I like to tell people. Um, which you did say in your IG live today. Oh my gosh, you guys, we have started so many series on Instagram. So IGTV is like the best free TV you will get. You need to tune mm-hmm. in like daily cause it's our jam lately. Better oh, than maybe, TikTok. Maybe Carol Baskins will be on Dancing with the Stars on IG. Um, so tune in subscribe we're free um so anyways um i so i don't have my eight to five monday to friday gig anymore um it just for a lot of reasons and one of the main reasons was because my kids really needed me um and for a long time i kind of struggled with that mom guilt and not just that i was a working mom but a working mom with a special needs child. And I mean, not that it was a peer pressure reason that I came to this, but it's just, you know, for the past years, just wonder like, how do people do it? Or, oh my gosh, like, am I not going to be allowed to work because I have a child like with, you know, that needs extra care and attention. I mean, and it's not that every special needs child is, you know, like needs extreme care. Um, but I think, and this is true for a lot of people, COVID and the pandemic and being stuck at home just opened up a lot of things for people. And um, a lot of people, I think, are having a lot of realizations. Um, I did say when I gave my notice that I'm probably like the dumbest person in the world for quitting their job with steady income during a global pandemic. But um, it was a change I needed to make. And my kids need me more. Dante, who I don't know if we talked about this or not, had a seizure um, five minutes before I was supposed to log in for my last team call at my job, which kind of further confirmed for me that um, he needed me more. So um, the past few weeks, I've just been trying to get into this groove of like, what do I do? Because my kids finally went back to school. Um, So they're at school five days a week, um, which they need. And I completely 100% support whatever parent's decision. If you want your kids in school every day or you want them homeschooled because you don't want them out, like that is, this is truly a time when we're in where it has to be the individual family's decision. And I'm curious to see how this plays out after this is all over and what parents will decide to do. I'm very interested in that, but I mean, I very strongly, obviously everyone who's listened to us knows very, very strongly, um, felt that my kids needed to be in school. And after seeing them through the first week and how the schools are set up and the measures they're taking, I feel totally safe um, for our family with my kids being there. And I trust that it's clean and they're doing everything they can to keep them distanced and, um, you know, as safe as possible. So I feel comfortable with it, but I understand other people's hesitations, but we don't have underlying conditions in our households that um, could put us more at risk. And those types of things. So there's so many factors that are so different for each family. Right. But getting back to F this, um, my kids Mm -hmm. are gone all day, which I haven't done. And so I'm kind of in that mentality right now of, you know, I have all these projects that just, you know, things in my house have just fallen apart, you know, because I was working, it was from work to swim lessons or hippotherapy or teaching classes to, you know, dinner to bath, bed, like barely getting home in time for bed uh, most nights. And um, so there's a lot of things that just kind of didn't get taken care of around the house. And then on the weekends, you know, you just want to spend that time with your family because you're not with them at all during the week. And um, 
so it was okay. So like my life is slowing down and I don't know how to deal with slowing down. Um, so the first day I think I text Elise and I was like, I don't know what to do. I'm like, I don't, I'm I don't know what I'm lost. doing. I'm like, I, I, stuff needs to get done and I don't know what to do. So we've kind of decided together that I needed a project a day, one a day. Um, yes. <laughs> and we call it one project a day because I went on the first day to clean the bathroom and I thought it would take me 20 minutes and I was in there for two and a half hours. And then I was like, okay, one project per day. Um, so today's project was the pile of clothes that was sitting upstairs in the hallway outside, um, the kid's room for, I don't even know how many months. Um, so, you know, every season or so, you, you know, when you go through your own wardrobe, your kid's wardrobe, especially kids, cause they outgrow things. So you need to get rid of all the stuff that doesn't fit. Cause it's just taking up space. Um, yep. so then you make piles like this is garbage. Cause it's you know, underwear and nobody wants used underwear. Um, or, you know, socks with holes in them. Then we have the donate stuff. And then you have the um, pile of the stuff that I spent way too much money on these designer things that my kids never touched. And so maybe I'll put them on eBay or Poshmark and get $5 for them. So, you know, who cares if you spent hundreds, but if you can get five bucks, it's, you know, it makes you feel a little better about it in the end. Um, you feel so okay. Anyways, I was like, well, I'll just, I'll do the Poshmark stuff today, right? So um, I conferred with a friend of mine that Poshmark's better than eBay these days. Um, I'm still a little iffy about it because it took me a while to get used to eBay and then that I was, I really liked eBay, Poshmark. I'm kind of still not entirely sure. Um, but the F this portion of this um, crazy long story with no point is that um, – <laughs> Posting listings on Poshmark or eBay or Macari or whatever you use takes way too much flipping time. It took me an hour and a half today, Lisa. An hour and a half to take pictures and put them on there. And then the friend that I was talking to was like, Poshmark, and it's way easier. And I'm like, well, it's easier, but it still took me forever. I believe it. You're not really entirely getting the stuff out of your house because you have to put it in the Poshmark box or the eBay box and then it has to sit somewhere until it sells and that's my next project is to find out where these boxes need to go because one's in my closet and it's out of the way and it's fine the other one's in the space between my dresser and the end of my bed so my poor husband when he's sleeping at night and I try to sneak into bed without waking him up and kick the box and trip over it and then everything goes every crashing day. <laughs> it's not every day but it's semi-frequently. Um, so while I'm happy that I got through that tedious project today and not is all the stuff that I wanted to get posted, that was a long time. That's a that's a project. But yay me, because I did it. Almost yay! I those three things that didn't get posted that were in the pile. <laughs> well, you're getting there. I am. So my so you did an F this, so I guess mine would be technically an F that yeah was my battle that i that i won today against the smoke detector <gasps> oh i was hoping you were gonna talk about this <laughs> so wait can so... i just can i just like do a lead-in for you because this is like the best part of what she's about to tell you is that it got to the point where we finished yoga class tonight 
on Zoom because we teach virtually still. And I picked up the computer and I walked downstairs and I handed it to my husband and I said, go walk around Elisa's house with her and help her fix this problem. And he's like, how do I? I'm like, just just do it. And I walked away. I left him in the computer and I walked away. And he did help. So So I came home yesterday and um, from the weekend and the golf tournament and maybe possibly a a tiny bit hungover um but not really just more exhaustion than anything else yeah and I was like you know what I'm gonna do when I get home I'm gonna take a nap because I'm exhausted and I can barely keep my eyes open so I walk in my house I unload my whole car I start unpacking everything and then it's I'm like, what is this? And you know the smoke detector beep is a different kind of beep, mm-hmm. but then it just stopped. So not only did it just stop, it stopped for like a good hour, I would say, because you know I packed my car, I did some things around the house, and then I decided to turn on the Bills game because football is back and that's super exciting knowing that I was turning it on to take a nap and lay down on my couch had the game on my volume super low I'm almost asleep and again beep and I'm like you've got to be kidding me so now I'm like now I'm annoyed because I'm almost asleep so I wander my house and the beeping again was so sporadic it wasn't like it kept beeping like every 30 seconds Mm -hmm. it would beep and then there'd be nothing for like 15 minutes and then it would beep again and then there'd be nothing for like an hour so I didn't know where the beeping was coming from so I'm like standing in each room in my house just like staring and waiting for it to beep and I figured out the loudest spot for the beeping is in my dining room okay, there's no smoke detector in my dining room. So I don't know what it is. And at that point, I was like, you know what? Forget it. I'm too tired to deal with this. Took a nap, got up, rest of the night, no beeping. I wake up this morning and I get out of bed and I'm walking to go take a shower. It's like 515. You know, my house is pretty much pitch black at this point. And from my bedroom, I hear beep and I'm like seriously it's back so I shower I get dressed I come downstairs stops beeping and I'm like you have got to be kidding me like this is this is ridiculous <laughs> so came home from work today the same thing is happening again all throughout yoga it would like beep for five minutes and then nothing for like 10 to 15 minutes so Mike and I went on a tour of my house. Like, you know, I mean, Mike, virtual tour. Mike is, virtual tour. Mike has been at my house multiple times. He knows where things are, right? Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, but Mike, like, I don't understand. Like, it's, it's the loudest in my dining room. And, but there's nothing here. And I like pulled out everything out of all the drawers that I have in my, um, I have like a, you know, nice little bar that has the liquor on top and the glasses on the bottom. Nope, nothing in there that would beep. 
Um, my thermostat is in my dining room. That doesn't beep. The only other thing in my dining room other than like the table is this hutch from my grandmother's house. So I pulled that apart thinking maybe there's something inside of there. Nope, nothing. Then I walk into my kitchen and I think like, oh, it must be, the battery must be dying for my um, alarm system because I have sensors throughout my house. So we take apart the sensor and it's still beeping. So here Mike and I go and I have like my laptop like completely open. So it's like facing the camera's like facing the ceiling and he's like I don't get it Elisa like you're right it's louder in your dining room like than it is anywhere else in your house I'm like I know so he's like okay take me room by room so so I did and the laptop again it's like open facing the ceiling and I walk into our spare bedroom uh, one of our spare bedrooms I guess I should say And I'm like, yeah, and see, this room, it doesn't even have anything on the ceiling but a light. And then I look up, and there's a smoke detector, like, right (laughs) next to the light. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, my God, Mike, I found it. I found it. And he's like, you did? Where did you find it? And so now I'm, like, trying to point at it, but yet the camera's, like, facing up at the ceiling. So I'm, like, trying to move it around. I'm like, it's right here. It's right here. So I don't mind the fact that smoke detectors beep when the battery is, you know, dying and needs to be replaced. Okay, I understand that. But can the beeps be consistent so you can actually find it? Because when it beeps once and then nothing for an hour, by the time it beeps again, I'm like, what is that noise? I've already forgotten what I was doing and why I was staring at the ceiling and why I was wandering my house. So my F that is just smoke detectors should consistently beep until you take the battery out when the battery is dead. If anybody wants to work on that, that would be great. Good invention for somebody. I have, okay, I have, I have to devil's advocate this because if it beeped constantly... The, I would know could, where it was. No, but what if you're not home and then it be, and then it's dead? Like the battery dies and it cannot beep anymore, and you weren't there true. to hear it, and now you don't know that your smoke detector worked. Although That's you could true, have but... the electric ones like we do, and I um, could. So when we we built this house and moved in about five years ago, um, just over, it was just right before Dante was born, um, and we have the electric, the hardwired ones that. Right. They go off and so something was tripping in them and we didn't realize and so they went off randomly like at one point um but then one night now mind you I had a one and a half year old I was pregnant and um my husband and my mom who has an in-law apartment so her system's kind of in ours too um are trying to sleep and all of a sudden, in the middle of the night, God knows what hour, you hear danger, fire, with like this horn sound, right? Like, that sounds terrifying. Danger, fire, danger, fire. So my mom comes running over, like, where's the fire, right? And we're like all up and freaking out. And we're like, how do you turn it off? Like, turn it off. And it's like through the whole house. And I don't even remember if anyone's maybe up, maybe not. Like, I don't even know. But, um, Anyways, slight malfunction, no fire, thank God, but um, 
I mean, uh, I do see your point in it, but I just don't want it to like beep once an hour. Right. Well, somebody needs to. How am I to supposed to find it? A better and not system. Only, like, not only just once an hour. Like, I was home for hours and nothing. So I don't get it. Well, perhaps somebody could just program something where it says battery low downstairs bathroom right next to the well, light they... bulb <laughs> they, they do have i know my parents do have uh talking smoke detectors where it tells you what room it is but my house is not that bougie so um dan used to refer to our house as a dumb house like people some people have like smart houses where they're devices control everything and um dan was too afraid that the robots would uprise and then take over our house so therefore <laughs> therefore we have a dumb house so that way we can still be in charge uh. and i quote um obviously he was joking about the robots part but if you knew dan you would know that's exactly something he would say about the fact that we have a dumb house yeah so yeah, that's my that's my F bet. Just apparently, I either need to buy better smoke detectors, or B, they just need to make ones that will beep when you actually go to look for them. Right. Although I did like you dismantling the entire ring monitor, <laughs> and then <laughs> the second you took the battery out, you're. I'm like, I just looked at Mike through the camera and he's like, mm. <laughs> and I had left the room. So I walked in at this point and I just looked at the screen. I was like, okay, so it's not that. Yeah. I was like, thanks, Gary. Much appreciated. Right. Anyways. All right. Well, guys, thanks for tuning in. Um, there was a point somewhere in this conversation. Um, if you need help with any fundraising events, um, please reach out to us. I mean, I know we've both done our fair share and um, can definitely write a book on how to do this. Um, and so if you're just looking for advice or tips or a little encouragement to kind of keep your events going, um, we'd love to help you. Or if you want to share your event with us, we can share it with our masses. We yes. definitely will. Yes, however we can help you, please, we would love to. Um, so you can find us, filterlessfemales at gmail.com, um, at filterlessfemales on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok, which we really need to um, yeah, so I make was it a little more. Make a, I was going to make a TikTok video today of the fact that I was trying to clean up after yoga and my dog refused to get off the yoga mats. But then, of course, she moved, and that was the end of it. Oh, she was tired. And it was going to be perfect, because you were wandering the house yelling, Mike, can you help Elisa? <laughs> <laughs> but then she moved, and then that was the end of it. It's um, like we're three's company, but we don't live together. <laughs> true. Oh, it's man. True. Anyways, um, that filterless FNF on Twitter. So um, reach out to us. We've been having fun playing around with some different formats. IGTV, um, tune in. It's mm -hmm. highly entertaining to at least one person. Um, that's true. So. And it might just be us, but that's okay. <laughs> and as always, friends, be brave, be fierce, but most of all, be filterless. Thanks, guys. We'll catch you next time. Bye.